Hi, and welcome to the podcast, which I recorded yesterday. Um, I have been talking since 8 o'clock this morning after, I think, a productive and successful day at Perrysburg High School for their professional personal development day. When I wake up in I'm adding this to the rotation. So, because I've been talking all day from Perrysburg to the radio show, I'm simply going to tell you that uh, today's guest, um, today's episode is all about EDM, electronic dance music. Um, my guest is um, my internet friend's son, who is a DJ. Um, throws some parties, uh, has big sound systems. He is, I could be his dad. So we have some interesting dialogue to go back and forth and interesting interesting perspectives um, because there are so many genres underneath dance music or electronic dance music. Now I'm done talking. I'm going to I'm going to slap in. I'm going to edit in yesterday's conversation. If you like dance music, this is for you. What does this feel like to be on a podcast you listen to? Um you know, kind of exciting. I'm, I wasn't sure. I don't know. For some reason, I think it was going to be lighter in here. <laughs> uh, I keep the lights pretty dim as it is. Some of them are burned out. It's not the nicest looking studio. No, it's okay. Studio's a studio. It's the magic of... As long as you can make stuff in it, that's it's the important part of it. Um, introduce yourself. Well, my name is Ethan. I'm with Subdermal Sound System. My dad and I run the company. It is a homegrown, hand-built sound system business that promotes uh, reggae music, dub music, and the uh, sound system culture of a uh, scene in Toledo. Yeah, the really crappy scene. And that's why I invited <laughs> Ethan to come in. So when we were doing an electronic show uh, overnight so a little while ago. I asked you to throw some mixes for us because I know that you you like electronic music. Yes. Um, you messaged me on Monday and you were, you enjoyed the podcast with uh, Same Cafe. Yes, I really I had no idea what that was about. I saw they were building it um, probably over a year ago now. Yeah. And um, I'm, I wasn't sure what it was. And finally made that connection with that previous podcast. Um, we got to uh, to talking about uh, electronic music. And since I knew that you liked the podcast, I'm like, well, just come talk on it. We can rip on how bad the electronic music scene is here. Well, it's we definitely have a pretty strong, small community that we do. Strong, so, strong and small is a good way to put it. Yeah, it's it's it definitely is. It's got it's different. It's got a lot of different branches of different people. We have like the uh, festival based scene, which is all the mainstream festival music that you hear, which is it's they're very well put together. My like uh, my friends at Bootlegged Bass, they do amazing shows. They uh they have definitely done numbers for the scene here in Toledo. Uh, same with the uh, Dubtronica, com- uh, not company, but the uh, Dubtronica, I can't. Are you nervous? A little bit. Don't be it was, nervous. It was, a little, it was a little fast. But, um, <laughs> you, you've been DJing in bars before you were even old enough to be in there. This I is know. nothing. I was. I think I started DJing when I was 14. I remember seeing your pictures. Yeah, my mom it, would post them all the th- time. This is the world that we live in now. I know your mom fairly well, but I've never met her. And I, I, I know you have... So we're talking like six, eight years ago when you've had several <laughs> growth spurts when you needed to stand on milk crates to, to be at uh, Wesley's to DJ. Yeah, I was definitely trying to reach the the tables. I would have to get out my own like small one to put it out. Yeah. And just learn changing learning styles have changed like i've grown so much since since then so tell me about those two that you just mentioned i'm unfamiliar with them uh so these are two companies that i ran out of toledo which they are uh production companies or um well they're essentially promoters but they're big teams of people that essentially curate these shows and they put together really great events do they do them here yeah they do them at local clubs like uh uh, club prime off uh secor Okay, it's the old club soda. It's it's the old a lot of things. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, it's it's been through a lot of iterations, but right now I think they've really dialed it in. Okay, and um, so what what I do is essentially a little different because they're um mine's more based on the history of electronic music, where I, it, it's originally formed from reggae and dub music and sound system culture. So and that's inspired a lot of music today. Wait a second, what is inspired by that? Uh, what do you mean, like the uh? how reggae and dub music has influenced electronic music. Okay, because I would say that it, it, it hasn't. Oh, it has. It's it's all come from it. Where did electronic music begin? Um, Well, there's a lot of different ways it's began. There's multiple countries have essentially... See, I've only focused on this side of it, where it was sound system culture from Jamaica. And... It's influenced many different branches of music, but for electronic music and as a whole, has 
since there's so many different genres of it. Electronic dance music. Yes. The up te- everything that's up tempo. Yes. So we have like so with um Jamaica, they've started making reggae dub and it slowly integrated into the UK. When when was this? And this was like back in 1950. I've I've okay. I've tried uh I've tried to do my history on it okay. a little bit, but it's I'm very shaky. I'm not a very big history buff. Oh, okay. But um in the in like in the 50s, um a lot of Jamaicans have immigrated to the UK which in- introduced their music and sound system culture to the UK and that has clashed with the dance music scene there. And started. So that's what I was thinking of. Yes. Dance music. Because mm-hmm. to me, like the music that I fell in love with when I was your age, because um, to me, when I grew up in Philadelphia, like our, our top 40 station played mostly dance stuff. Mm-hmm. It was a, a dance radio station, played like some crisscross jump and biggie, but it was, it was the 90s dance songs. Of course. To me, dance music probably, it evolved from. Like rhythm-based rock and R and B from the in in the seventies, mm-hmm. um, Giorgio Moroder. You know that name? Oh, it's it's familiar. I'm but I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm not hundred percent familiar. He he is arguably the, the 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 godfather of the disco era, which is when where dance like took over the planet, uh, especially here and in the east in this country, but in the East Coast. All right. Um. So you had like the Jimi Hendrixes and, and whatnot, and th- there was rock, there was rhythm-based rock, R and B, and then like from '75 on. The disco era came about, like chic, good times, mm-hmm. and that riff that we will never stop hearing because it's legendary. Um, like that was the dawn of like disco and funk. That to me was the birth of of dance music as I know it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has clashed with um, reggae and dub music, which has created a lot of the genres we hear today, such as dubstep. That's the clash of two words of dub music, which is a subgenre of reggae. Basically, the B sides of the records. So the one side they would have the vocalist, the instruments, and everything, and the dub side would uh, be, you know, the chorus more, over and over again. It would be a little more effects. It'd be just an instrumental. It would be more echo, and that's what the people at these sound system events that they would throw that aren't at clubs or at other events because you know the clubs didn't want them bringing in their speakers. They they were they were in an offshoot from what the popular club was. And they've, um, I'm, I'm, and I'm not 100% correct here, so don't completely come for me. This is not but Wikipedia. This is not Ethan I'm, I'm, I tried my best to do my history on it, but I've just, I have a huge love for the music. And um, they, uh, where was I? So the dub side of that music was all from reggae music, and the step was from UK Garage and Two Step, which created a whole new time signature in the UK. So it was this weird. When was. When was Two Step and Garage stuff? When did that arise in the UK? That was, I want to say, probably 1990s to early 2000s. Sounds right. This is like what I... So, in my world, like we skipped what was evolving from disco because disco... It was interesting. It was very counterculture. It mm-hmm. was intense. It didn't last long. Then we evolved. I'll do the timeline here. We evolved into like new wave stuff. You got a lot of Depeche Mode. Oh yeah, bands yeah. like that. Um, very European, and it was it was a part of dance music, but it was more new wave and pop. Eighties, um, you had glam rock. And not a lot of dance music. Your dance music would be considered, uh, it was lower tempo, like 110 beats per minute. Yeah. You had like the Paula Abduls. Yeah. And, and no, like that's... disco was like, kind of like uh, after reggaeton hit its peak here, nobody ever wanted to hear it again. That's kind of <laughs> yeah. like what disco was. Like, well, I don't know. It was, it was intense and gone. Um the 80s didn't have a lot of dance music like in the, in the mid to late 80s. You had the Paul Duels and, and things like that. In the 90s, um, I don't know how or where, but that's where the explosion of genres happened and what you're talking about. And what I commented on your page weeks ago and some dance head of yours probably had no idea who this old dude was talking about Artful Dodger. Oh, wait, hold on. Who was that? I'm trying to remember what that, I'm trying to remember what that conversation was. I, I'll have to find it. Yeah, in the 90s, you had the explosion of DJs and producers. Giorgio Moroder was the guy who produced like all of Donna Summer. You know okay. who that is, right? Yeah. Um, he produced all, their, all her stuff. He, do you know who, uh, you know John Williams? Yes. Giorgio Moroder was like the John Williams of dance music. 
he he'll he'll he did tracks in the eighties and nineties, just legendary stuff. And then we got the, the DJ and producer era where the Paul Oakenfolds came along in the nineties and the Tiestos eventually, and and the genre began to splinter to trance and house, and then different kinds of house, different kinds of trance, and then garage and two step, which brings me back to to you. You said that popped up in the nineties. It did, um, and it could it could be even further back because I I know um, disco had an influence there as well. I'm not too sure on the history of um, that kind of music in the UK. I just know around that time it popped up around there, and there was a handful of artists that were, I think from. I want to say London, inner London. They had a uh, record uh, record shop called Big Apple Records, where a lot of these producers were just messing with beats. Where um, one was trying to write dub music, one was trying to write garage, and they wrote a garage song in the same time signature as dub. They're like, "Oh, hey, this is wrong. This is the wrong kind of time signature. It's not on the right beat." And they were like, "Wait, this works." And so far, it's just blown up from there. It had its moment. I remember playing a lot of those records in the late 90s and early 2000s. Like There were a lot of Artful Dodger remixes. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig David was, a, you could call him a dub, dubstep or two-step artist. You know who he is, right? Um, no, I'm actually unfamiliar. Craig, you don't know Craig David? Uh, Boy! I'm sorry. You have I'm come sorry. to class. I'm I, Listen, I, I'm cultured, but I'm also I'm very uncultured as well. So like His... I know names, but it's, it's sometimes it's just... I think I have it in here. I'm not going to say yes just because I... Want to keep the conversation going? I don't know 100%. Okay, let me play some of this. And a, a lot of people who are even like my age and your mom and aunt's age, mm-hmm. like, don't remember this dude because he was here and gone. Let me play some of this. Uh... All right. Now the mics are on. You're here, right? That's, 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 um, that's definitely garage right there. I was checking this guy next door when her parents went out. She phone say, hey, boy, come on right around. So I know- now it's done. Okay, wow. That's like a mix of like R&B and garage. Yeah. Is- okay, so, okay, I get it now. Craig David evolved from the UK dude, still making some tracks every now and then, and like one of the five I come across are, are pretty dope. Um, he had a couple hits, had his thing in the early 2000s, but evolved from like that Artful Dodger sound. He Artful Dodger might even have produced some of those tracks. Um, I I would say, you know who the Basement Jacks are? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the Basement Jacks probably had some influences of the stuff that you're talking about. Not everything, but they were so diverse and so zany and so wild and it was so fucking hard to mix some of those basement jacks. (laughs) Yeah, tell me about it. I've, um, yeah, because even Chicago had its own house music scene, which was a whole other... Which was different from Detroit. It's different from Detroit and then, so all these different places are kind of making similar music but it's also very different with its own styles, with its own influences. Very territorial. Yes, extremely territorial. That's why everyone's such a a genre hog today. Like, it's, it's so... Yeah. This, this is what I grew up in. That's why. So when I was growing up in the East Coast, there was something called freestyle music. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a modernization of of disco. Um, it you could listen to it and go, oh yeah, this sounds like New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, like you, how you'd hear someone's accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's what I grew up with. That that was the the top forty music that I listened to. Um, and if when I came out to the Midwest, nobody knew any of those songs. Like they knew one that might have been a big hit, the territory, the provincial nature of it. There were things that I learned about it when I moved to Detroit, certain dance songs. Like I knew who Prince was, but I didn't know the influence that Prince had. And Prince is a pop and a dance artist. He made a lot of dance music. I had no idea the influence that he had when I moved to this radio station in Detroit. Like we were playing like 10 or 12 of his songs as like old, like throwback songs. I had no idea. Um, and that's where I learned about. Uh, do we have the techno discussion? We can have the techno discussion. I can talk about how I got into it. Well, te- when you when so, I'm if there's one wonderful thing that I've enjoyed about EDM over the last ten years, becoming pop music, um, people have stopped calling calling songs like that. They've overbranded it as oh well, that's techno. No, it's it's really not. It's, uh, but if you want to call it that, that's fine. But techno is like its own subgenre. Yeah, and much of it has a home in Detroit. The Carl Coxes, the Richie Hawtons, and whatnot. Do those names? Resonate oh, absolutely. With you? Yeah, of course I know who they are. I actually, uh, Juan I, Atkins. I got to I got to meet Richie Houghton when I was like eight. 
My dad took me to a movement when I was eight, yeah. and I got to go up on stage and meet him. I might have told you this, but I got to DJ at the very first one of those when it was called the DEMF. Yeah. Deloitte, I'm Detroit Electronic Music with Festival. Well, uh, my birthday just happened to be in March, and, and uh, May happens to be nine months around DEMF. So yeah. I, do that the thing, math there. That thing almost died. Um a couple years after, it's it just like, like a lot of promoter drama and whatever. Then I think some dudes who were running a club took took over the promotion of it and it just exploded. Now it's too busy for me to even go to. Um, but yeah, t- talk about techno. Okay, so my influence on it is my dad raised me on techno. It, I he, like he would put me to sleep to a Richie Houghton CD. He would play it all the time. I hung out with. I would be hanging out with him and his friends when he would mix it, and I would just be listening. All of my childhood, I was listening to that music. So I'm extremely familiar with a lot of the like underground names, who plays it in Toledo. Those are not even underground. I mean, not to me anyway. Not, not anymore. No, they've definitely grown quite a bit. But like, that we've 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 dope, we've gone so down. We've gone down so many rabbit holes trying to find new names and find new music and just keep fresh on it. Who's your dad? Uh, Dorian Thornbury. Okay. Probably shouldn't have done his last name, but it's fine. no. It's- your last, your last name will be on this. Ah, yes, um, no, I just didn't know if I'd ever run into him or anything. Has, did he tell you stories because he had to have gone to Motor? Uh, Ask probably, your dad if you went to Motor. He probably has. He's been around Ask, quite a bit. Motor is in Hamtramck. Oh, I'm familiar. Uh, yeah, I... Now there's a soccer it. stadium there, and I don't know if it's a great neighborhood. It never really was, but um, it was like the Detroit dance club. A lot of techno stuff, but when a big DJ would come to town um, and the dance culture hadn't exploded yet, like, or if they did do a show at like Clutch Cargos or a big venue, they would do an after show or after party at Motor. And then it just closed one time, but it was a, it was the epicenter of a, a real dance heads in, in Detroit 20 some years ago. He has to have been there. I, I don't doubt it. I honestly don't. I'm not sure where he's been, but. Are you familiar with the, anger i used to have when people would say techno yeah yeah <laughs> I, I i i definitely feel the internal cringe i when, when they when people would hear uh god let me go what's a good artist i have a bit of self cringe whenever someone says or whenever i have to tell somebody i'm i mix dubstep and i'm familiar with it because it is not the kind of dubstep you're thinking of sure it's it's very different it's a lot of grassroots of of the early sound in the early 2000s when you know it was real simple chill, quiet, and like a little more artistic behind it rather than, you know, let's break our, let's break our fucking necks, you know, like, like that's how, that's how it is today is like, it's break your neck. It's like the most metal, like they're trying to like, they, they almost go harder than metal concerts. There's, there was, uh, in that same era, it never busted out. There were a couple songs like when I worked in Orlando, we played this version of these songs are super good. Uh, Cleveland something. It was called Drowning. I'll have to dig it up for you. But drum and bass. Like yes. To me, that was that was like what you were discussing. It was just way too much for me. It was incredibly hard to mix. See, drum and bass actually still has a special place in my heart because it it still is within the underground influence. Yes, it's a lot faster, but it's still not nearly as intense as what they're doing today at festivals. Like there's a festival in Ohio called Lost Lands, and my God, it is Millions of people, probably not millions, probably under a million, but like it feels like millions because it's a sea of people and everyone is absolutely rambunctious. It is crazy and it is probably the most loudest ear piercing music I've ever heard in my life. Not saying I hate it though. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a hater. I'm not a hateful person. I love, I, everyone's got their own taste, but it's too much for me for sure. If you really want your ears pierced or your eardrums pierced, the loudest concert I ever went to was the Backstreet Boy Millennium Tour. So I, the equivalent would be like, go see BTS. <laughs> yeah. Just if you want to see if your eardrums get perforated. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'll come back to the techno thing. And I know we're all over the place here, but it's so funny. I, I love how, please, like, track me all over the internet. I typed in Cleveland and the Guardians didn't come up. Jose Ramirez didn't come up. The song I was talking about came up. Um, they know you. They know you too well. Let me, uh, so I'm going to get that. Let me get that. Um, Cleveland Lounge Drowning and the drum and bass remix, remixer, producer was AK-1200. Um, (laughs) 
think so far? Well, I I like that it still uses its uh, actual drum samples rather than, you know, electronic yeah. like sam- uh, just pieces like Fruity Loops. Yeah, the modernization like, of fr- Fruity Loops. It's uh, all the music today is so modern and so oversampled. It's very easy to make and it's super saturated. Like the the like, are you familiar with music mastering and such like that? Like mixing and mastering of a song, finishing yes. a song. I I mean I do that with my imaging, the stuff in between songs. So if you look at the waveforms of today's music versus older music, oh yeah, it's smashed. Yeah. It, all the dynamics are cut out of it. It is just absolutely smashed, and that's what they play. Well, that's the thing. It causes ear fatigue a lot faster at these shows. So you stand for three songs, and you're like, God, I'm I'm ready. To, I'm ready to leave. I want to leave. When I first started DJing, um, it was like many of my ilk back then. It was at the Skatey Rink, mm-hmm. and I eventually evolved away from like the Friday and Saturday night, like my age then skates to doing like some of the adult skates where it was like chic good times and cool in the gang and I was telling the guy who was who I was working with I was like why are these so hard to mix he's like because they were real instrumentation and the beats aren't perfect so you really had to ride that pitch let me keep playing this for you because I was always a vocal person mm-hmm. um I've always liked vocals and I, I like beautiful trance like one of my favorite songs of all time motorcycle as the rush comes yeah you know? Yeah, or uh, that, and I will never get tired of hearing um, the Tiesto remix of Delirium Silence. Okay, that's the the apex of my my interest. To you, I will wait if you ask me to, but I won't stay here forever now. I know your heart can keep me warm if you let me stay. I I love that. That's beautifully made. Yeah, it's a, it's a well-made song. Like break your neck, like the drum and bass stuff, which that was the one of the few I remember. Um, it 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 broke my neck. Yeah, and a, but though it was easy to mix it back down into hip hop because it was just cutting the beats in half, cutting yeah, the math exactly. in half. Yep, that's. You ever heard of Goldie? Gold? No. Goldie. G O L D I E. He's a drum and bass legend out of the UK. If you look up Goldie Inner City Life, that is an absolute classic track. It is definitely something. If you don't know about that track, you're sleeping on drum and bass. It's it's he actually just came uh, to movement last year, the uh, Detroit Festival we were talking about, and he uh, went back to back with LTJ Bookham, and it was me and my dad were standing there, and he played this a version of this track, and both me and him were kind of tearing up because it's such a classic track. I've been listening to this song since I was a child. As well. we this, oh, you can hear it. This? Yep, this is exactly what it is. And I figured it'd be right up your alley because you do like nice sounding things. It uses that drum sample. You get some really good the sub. Reverse. Mm-hmm. I love the little reverse in there as well. I, I like I like the voice. It's just it's too busy for me. Yeah, yeah. It's too busy. Music, music can be very busy. That's why that's why I really got attracted to dubstep because it wasn't too busy and there's a lot of like internal rhythms in there. That like yes, it's a it's a boom clap like real simple four four, but like there's internal rhythms that you can kind of hear that you can get behind as well that aren't necessarily like oh I can't dance to this. Well, you gotta listen. Oh. Do you know this? Sounds familiar. So this is Artful Dodger. Re rewind. Okay, but. Craig David, that dude I played, yeah, uh, filled me and added vocals to it. I like it. That would have. When the crowd say both, 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 we When the crowd say both, selector, See, this is this is sounds like early dubstep right here. This it, is exactly what it is. It is. I mean, that that, that was twenty years, twenty three years ago. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, that's that's right. That's right at the cusp of it when it yeah. was getting created. To the uh, before to, it had a name to it. To the techno thing, having still like dance music. When um, you can ask your mom and your aunt. I used to, uh, I DJed in clubs here when I lived here the first time at Rain. I'd go over to Eclipse. Um, my friend did the, the the small dance room at Club Sin on Saturday nights, and I he played a lot of house stuff in there, and I'd hop in there, um, and that. Dance music was not pop then, and but we moved later into that decade, like the late aughts, um, and there were more and more of those songs trickling out. But finally, after like teasing this for so many minutes now, like I would hate when people were like, you know who Cascada is, right? Yeah. Every time we touch, and they've actually had a lot of hits. Yeah. I counted them all. Like, damn. Like, oh, I love it. What's that? What's that techno song? I'm like, well, I, like There's a my, lot. <laughs> my blood would boil. Like, well. It's not really techno, um, but I know the song that you're talking about. Um, that was the thing. Like, get it, it right. Come on. They can't. They can't. They they just wanted, at that time, a Justin Timberlake song. At that if, point, just throw the headphones at them and tell them to get it, out of here. If something was 130 beats per minute it, and, and it wasn't a pop artist they knew, it was a techno song. Um, there was a dance, mini dance explosion in pop radio which actually kind of like brought me down to Orlando for a station that played all that stuff but in like 2001 and 2 you had um, Alice DJ like Better Off Alone Dan- you know Daniel Bedingfield yeah. gotta get through this yeah that's kind of your vibe of a song right Uh, kind of kind of little dubstep a little, 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 little bit we, we, we try to we try to stay like where it's modern artists making this kind of music I totally and- get it I'm just making so the point. So we can still of, book them, you know? Totally got it. Um, what else was then? Uh, Fragment in crossover. Uh, the biggest one was probably like Darude, Sandstorm. Oh, yeah. That's a. Do you. Uh, can you play that techno song? I wouldn't with, even know with what. With no words. Genre. No, 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 no. Darude, Sandstorm. Yeah, that one. And then the other one was uh, Kerncraft 400, mm-hmm. which is now uh, a stadium song. Please tell me you know that. Oh, oh. Yeah. Can you play that song that, with the chanting? It's a techno song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stop. So, like, dance popped through. It popped through at, at little times. And then... I'm sorry. At any of my events, I, I if anyone comes up to ask me to play a song, I'll t- just tell them no. Those I or any no. song? Like, any song. Like, right. like I'm sorry. We're, we don't have that. We don't we don't have an internet connection. We're just... <laughs> we, we, we practice this mix. We're... We're this is a and this is a show. We're we're showcasing music. We're supposed to be a performance. This isn't a we're not a jukebox. I'm sorry. You're you're this is not a bar mitzvah. You mean this that with peace th- and love. We're not, not a, jukeboxes. It's not a wedding, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me, how do you put together your shows artistically? Artistically, I really like to set a I don't want to say warehouse vibe, but like kind of like a warehouse vibe. No like matter a where rave. we are. Like an old school rave. <laughs> yes. I want it to feel like you're crawling in a hole and you're like where the hell did i end up the um what we do for decoration is we like we get this uh netting off amazon where it's like we have a uh, black and white camo netting it's not camo but it's you know just straight black and white fish net or something it's not fish net it's like that weird like leafy netting that you would see Got like it. that hunters would use kind of camo stuff yeah but Got it's it. it's, it. it's just straight black and white it's yep. uv reactive um, we like hang that all over the ceiling, all over the room. It's hanging low. Uh, we put lights behind them, so the, just dim red, blue, whatever lighting we use behind it, just so it's like a real dark, spotty room. We want to put the DJ down with the crowd, so it's not up on stage. We're not looking up at a, I don't know, don't look at me, I'm famous kind of thing. We want him down with the crowd because we want them to, you know, set the vibe with everybody. They're partying with the people. So like, if the DJ's like looking excited, having fun, he's down there with the crowd, interacting face first with the people three feet away from them rather than being, you know, up on stage, look at me, I'm the biggest DJ in the world. But in some ways, people come to see you in your performance. Oh, yeah, it's exciting. Especially, like, if you get a packed room, people all around you, 360 DJ in the middle of the room, a big old sound system that's just just making your entire body just vibrate. And it's, it's an entirely different vibe. How often do you do these? Not very often. Last year, I threw my first event. Actually, about a year ago, my first event was March 25th last year, um, and 
I learned very quickly that booking artists out of the country is very expensive. Yeah. And learning how to budget that. So I uh, I quickly learned that you have to curate a scene before you start booking big artists. But yeah. I honestly, I had a great time last year. Good. Met a lot of my favorite artists. I brought them in from the UK. I met a lot of people that I was, um, also I got people in from other parts of this country as well where I got to meet them. I've been talking to them online forever. And it, it honestly just made me a lot closer with people everywhere. It, it's hard to make it happen here because usually dance, electronic music, <laughs> people always ask me, you, do, you, you know that I'm Jewish, right? Yeah. People look at me, they're like, oh, I've never met a Jewish person before. I'm like, ooh, look ooh. at me. Um, but there's not a lot of us here. Not, not in the and, East, at least. What's that? Not in the East, right? Or is it more like a West Coast thing? Or is or no, um, Being New Jewish? York. Yeah, like it's a city. Oh, I was gonna say it's city thing. Like, yeah, for, there are no not big Jewish populations in like rural America. Yeah, we, definitely not immigrants. So we, we wound up in a lot of cities. Dance music is the same way. Like there are no, there are very few dance music does not th- electronic dance music does not thrive in rural America, but cities, yes. But this is a tough putt because. You are only an hour away from Detroit, so you probably have like your hardcore dance people go up there for shows and stuff and whatnot and clubs, um, and it's hard to pull people here because Toledo, it, it, it's they don't want to leave. They don't want to leave Detroit to come down here. That that yeah, and it's like it's very rock and it's very hip hop based here, and dance has always been on the periphery, and you're going to have a small audience to draw from. I noticed Toledo has a it's it's just it's all. You know, pop music or country music, and yeah. they have a—it's a very big drinking culture. They don't yeah. want anything to do with music or anything. They're just—if they can get alcohol and there's a bar, that's that's all they're—that's all they're striving for. We when all those places that I mentioned before closed, when I came back the second time, um, it's all like gastro pubs and whatnot. And that, yeah. that 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 happened a lot of places. Um, Detroit didn't have as many clubs. There were just more drinking spots. Yeah, it's, it's like a brewery opening up. And yeah. Like they, I can't tell you how many breweries are in Toledo. Oh, dear God. And then they have a warehouse that they can do parties in, but they're going to charge you up 2K plus dollars. Are you dollars. the Oliver House? No. No, they charged me less, actually. They were they were really nice to me. I just still couldn't afford it because budgeting. But sure. then again, if we can find that golden goose of a venue that's like, hey, we'll let you do this for whatever. If As long as we make a little bit of money, I'm like, that's great. If you find the right place and you can bring the people, um, because again, it's, it's hard to get people to get into electronic music. It's there's just not a, a big pool of people to draw it's from. Really not. And when people, whenever somebody says to me, or if I see somebody on a Reddit board and they're like, um, "Hey, where are the clubs in Toledo?" I'm like, <laughs> yeah. there, "There aren't any." I mean, maybe what is it? What did you call uh, it? Prime? Prime? The, yeah. But there's, is there anything else? Like real clubs. And it's not happening every night either. It's only yeah. when there's a show going on. So it's it's rare when there is. But if there is, it's a really big artist. And we're well, not like really big artist, but like it's big a, to the people who like it's, the music. It's a $25 ticket at the door. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's you, it's got to have some something going on. And it's usually something really good. So, so there aren't clubs here. I mean, if somebody asked me, I'd be like, well, well, I know Emosteria was doing things in their upstairs for a while. I don't know if they still are. I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with that one. I'm not too sure where that's at um and uh when the dirty bird and alleyway pull the tables out of the way there's your club yeah if you want a club you have to you're gonna have to like go to detroit or go to city so i admire that you're so driven towards this and i know that there this culture is always kind of um lurked and had a lot of passionate people there was a lot of stuff is it uh what is main street or something on the east side it is main street on the east side they're like one of the easiest clubs to work with because it is you can just say, hey, I want to throw an event this date. You work with the people that work there. You know, they don't really charge much of anything. So it, it's essential. I don't want to say it's free because it's it's not free. You got to, you know, pay security, bartenders, so forth. But a lot of it they make back in... In, in the bar? Yeah. yeah. They, but they're, they're, it's a great venue if you want to, you know, throw an easy event. Super easy to work with. Great people. They're awesome. It's just the location of it is really hard to get people to come over there. Maybe not so much anymore. Uh, well, if they, the, the east side's all it's all gentrified and yeah, glowing up. up. They build it up. I mean, it's starting to get there. So mm-hmm. I, if it does, I'll I'll hop back to Main Street and start working again. What What do you want to do? Like, where do you want to take what you do with your music and your performances? Well, personally, I kind of just make music on the side as a fun thing. I'm not really promoting it as a thing. I don't even promote myself as a DJ at all. I just do it whenever I'm doing an event. Got so, it. Or if someone wants me to come play and represent the crew that we have. Absolutely, my dad and I will come out and play. But um, will you not play? Will you not do like 
because so, so you're not doing it as much as like some of me and my friends used to do. We used to say like the top 40 stuff and hip hop pays the bills, but we love playing the other stuff. Will you only play certain genres of stuff that you love? Yeah, we will okay. only probably like if you're hiring or if you're booking us to come play, like we're just we have some cool music that we found. That's Got it. Really, ex- some of it's even exclusive. It's unreleased music. So you're you're still getting you're not getting something that you can just buy online. Like you can't find this music that like some of it you can obviously, but a lot of it is um, exclusively made dub plates and stuff like that, that are, you know, it's rare music that you're never going to hear. So when people come out to hear us play and they're like, Oh my God, what the hell is that track? I'm like, you're not going to get it. Cause this right. is, you got to come out and hear it. That's why I try to book the DJs. I do. Cause they find all these exclusive tracks that you're not going to get. And that's, that was a whole, that's, Coming back to our whole reggae sound system culture thing, dub plates, they would have an exclusive record cut, and this would be the this would be their secret war track. This would get them to win the party because they would have these sound clashes of two sound systems, and oh, this one has better music and it's louder, and it's like oh, I, the crowd loves this one better, and it's, it's almost like a rap battle, but between speaker systems and crews. Interesting, or like DJ battles. Essentially, yeah, they don't but do those anymore. They do don't they? really. But the thing is, they never DJed though. They just played music. Like they would never mix tracks. They would have one record player, and it would all be about vibes, um, how well their um, how well their selector essentially is picking out tracks and stuff like that, one at a time. It stopped the music, put a new one on. Oh my goodness! Just, oh, I know. It's do if you, you if you ever heard of dub mixing, it's literally just playing the next track right after the next one. It's not even skillful. It's just picking out good music. I didn't stop DJing because uh, of the the technological advancements. In fact, I embraced them a lot. Um, Makes it I, easy. I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't get upset at people because they had like just some little uh, mixer and it, it, segue, it, it mixes stuff for them. I didn't care about that. Mm-hmm. I didn't like promoting. Like I didn't like going out begging people to, to come do things. Let me tell That's you, it's, why a, it's, I it's a hustle. It's it's definitely a hustle. I I, I just threw an event um, at Wesley's. It was a little garage event that we did. It was my first time doing a, a genre based event, you know, because we would be pretty open, and it was it, it still was. It still was a very open event. So um, it popped off though. Like we did very little promotion. We just posted because it on your Facebook. mom was there. Did your mom probably, yeah, my, mom, my mom was like, "Come look, at, come watch my son, come watch my son play." She's she's so supportive. <laughs> Whoever promotes, right? Hey, hey, like I'm like it's a free event. Yeah. Just bring your friends. Just come have fun. It's gonna be it's chill, tasteful music because like garage music is like I want to I don't want to say garage is house music, but like it's essentially like house music. It's very palatable, so it's not gonna be crazy, bumping loud. I only right. brought a little bit of speakers. It's just gonna be a good vibe. We covered the whole area the DJs were playing with ferns. We got a bunch of plants and surrounded it, made like kind of a nice little vibe and just You have to give with, people experience yeah. now. That's what in everything. Yeah, that's what separates you from people who are just gonna play loud music. Like there's an experience experiential part to it. And it wasn't even like a dark club either. It was pretty well lit up. I we put a little bit of lights up for the DJs. It wasn't even like going crazy flashing. It was just an experience and Everybody around was kind of feeling the same thing the DJ was feeling. Tell me about uh, just your general thoughts when you learned what you struggle with when it comes to mixing. When it comes to mixing, well, weirdly enough, I don't practice all that much. Once I learned how to, it's kind of like riding a bike. Mm -hmm. It's essentially just knowing what your equipment does and you, if you know what your music sounds like and you know how to, it's so easy because you can see your entire track and see what, is this the quiet part? Is this the loud uh, part? So it used to not be like that. Yeah, no. I I mean, I made sure I knew how to mix vinyl before I mixed on any fancy equipment nowadays. So yeah. I can still put that image in my head if I know the song. But like nowadays, I can just I load up 20 new tracks that I just bought, and it's like, all right, I'm bringing them over to my friend's house because I don't even own CDJs. I just rent them from my, from my friend. And... Um, I plug them in and I'm mixing them flawlessly already. You, I, I, I have friends that were they were wonderful mixers with everything, um, but then they were so good and they could do this once there was a visual thing to mix off of. They didn't even use headphones; they just mixed visually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do no, you do that, I, or do I, you need to listen? Well, I prefer the headphones just so just to as a last resort of like check any, your work just to make sure because like sometimes it can't be perfectly on those right. lines but like I got friends that like oh yeah I don't need the headphones whatever it's, I just look at it and and there's something to be said for that yeah I mean sure it's 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 easy now it's but now now it's about 
what kind of music do you pick? Sure. It's like how good are you? How good are you at selecting music? Rather than okay, yeah, you can do a few routines, but okay, these songs have been played twenty million times by every club ever and every festival ever. So like, let's find some let's find some new stuff that like people are gonna be like, what the fuck is this or song? How I mean, that was the one thing that. So I wasn't the best mixer. Um, I would have like slumps and whatnot but Mm -hmm. what the music I picked because I had my radio background like I knew like there was a song percolating that we were going to play on the radio and people were going to love it because it blew up somewhere else like I could drop that song Mm -hmm. and I always had those 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 secret weapons in my back pocket my music selection was like unparalleled so I knew that I could always fall back on that because it's how you sequence the stuff when you play it certain parts of the songs getting in and out and whatnot yeah yeah it's 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 all about selection it's if you can pull out a little secret weapon and really like wow the crowd, that's that's something else. And if you can end up doing a mashup by mixing two tracks together, they're in key, they work really well together, and it just makes it twenty times more crazy. In like two thousand six, seven, eight, nine, like that was the mashup era, where that's what people did. They they would take an acapella of say God, we'll take they took an acapella of a Rihanna song, grab the beat from Jay Z. This was 88, this was 88, smash it together and good to go. Yeah, it sounds great. I do the same thing with my garage music. I mix it with some like uh, grime music, which is like UK drill rap. I don't know what necessarily makes it grime, but it's it, it all works really well together. Do How do you feel about like pop music? Not playing it, but like, do you have a disdain for it? I just find myself not being able to listen to certain pop music. I If I hear it on the radio, I do, but I'm never susceptible. I don't make myself expose. I don't expose myself. Is to there enough. a pop artist that you respect and like, even though well, I respect their their musicality I, and, and I, their talent? I never hate an artist. I I will never it's okay to because hate. yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like because it's somebody's art. You know, you don't want to hate on somebody's art unless it's hateful art and hating somebody. Then I, I, don't, I don't like that art. I I can. I can change. I can change your view, but continue on, please. Uh, tell me, my music taste is very weird. I, I go from Primus to electronic really quick, so it's it's out there. So here's a here's in the in the disco era. Um, so do you know Do you know what the word payola or plugola is? I do not. Um, it would be if you had a song and you slipped me some money or something like Eric, come drink it at all my events for free if you play my song twice a week. That's that's plugola. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes so sense. So in the sixties, going into the seventies, radio station DJs still had control of their playlists, um, so they'd get paid to play stuff. A lot of mob things and everything. Um, and then in the late seventies, the disco era, um, I, it's I love blowing older people's minds, like people my age or mom's age or a little mm-hmm. older. Um, Hey, do you ever think back to a 70s or 80s song and you're like, you know the Mickey song, right? Hey, Mickey, you survive. Yeah. It's awful. It's absolutely, and I, I can't sit, I can't use this as an example to this circumstance, only to that song is awful. <laughs> it's awful. Um, if you ever think back to that era and go, these songs are so bad. Why did they become hits? I listen, I listen back to my music that I used to mix and I'm like, wow, this was cheesy. This was terrible. And I'm like, well, there's that. I mean, that's just the changing of errors and whatnot. Yeah. But there were bad songs that became massive hits because of piles of cocaine and money. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all business. It's all business driven. That's why I try to. That I mean, that was that was the the peak of like payola and plugola. That's why these songs that shouldn't have never seen the light of day became massive hits because. With most, in most cases, if people hear things enough, it will grow on them, or they at least won't dislike it. They'll tolerate it. So, yeah, in that era, a lot of songs that shouldn't have been hits are now iconic, legendary songs. Um, Come on, Eileen, and garbage like that. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and I can't say that was a song either. But those bad songs back then are because of one thing or another. Do you it, think? Do you think disco got a bad rep because of that? Disco got a bad rap for a lot of reasons. Because I, I have a. I have a friend. His name's Jacob. He goes by DJ Molecule. He's uh, his dad was a disco DJ, and he's he's a DJ as well. He's actually really good. He's um, I work I work with him and his uh, him and his wife with uh, Kuehl Productions, K U L E Productions. 
they do a lot of our backline work and stuff. They I rent out CDJ. They rent out the CDJs to me and stuff like that. They're basically a, t- a part of the team. They um, but he's an amazing DJ. He can mix. He does weddings and stuff like that. But it's like he can impress you with some stuff that's like, oh, he'll throw a dubstep track in there, but you won't even know because it's got a lot of like funk liveliness to it, and it's in that time signature of dubstep, but you don't think it is. You're like, oh my god, this is great. I have so, some friends that have become wedding DJs like that. Do you know who One Time is? Uh, DJ I, One Time I, I, sounds. I, I've definitely I've heard of it. Maybe so, the biggest wedding DJ in the area. Like yeah. he plays like that. Like he plays a wedding like a club. Like if you tell him that you need to hear Neil Diamond, hmm. what the hell is that song? Ba ba ba. Like I know it, but I, I don't know song stuff, names. But he'll <laughs> he'll put it into like a club vibe and 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 mix it in, so it all gets That's, in there. He doesn't even promote himself as a wedding DJ. He's only done it a few times just because you know friends or friends of friends. So you're saying d- disco? He yeah, he's he's dabbled in disco. His record collection is insane, but he can he pulls stuff out and it's like an old song, but it's like funk blues kind of stuff, and he mixes it and it just goes into this house track that is amazing. He is I I I can't I can't. I can go on. I can go on about you, it forever. You you had asked if disco got a bad rap it, from Paola, yeah. Oh, di- disco is re- reviled for so many reasons. Uh, the the pale and the plug all and that stuff. Um, I don't know more specifics other than it was tied. It was very uh, specific to the east part of the country mm-hmm. and you know coastal elite nonsense back then. Um, got a bad rap for a lot of drugs. And a lot of other nasty shit. People began to hate the movie Saturday Night Fever, which symbolized that whole era. And um, also, that era coincided with the rise of AIDS. And and a lot of drug use back then. It all mixed together, so it got a bad rap. In the same way that like when I was growing up and going to pseudo-raves or clubs or asking for dance music, people were like, oh, do you, you do ecstasy too? I'm like, no, I just like these songs. Yeah. So it got a re- it got as bad a label as for almost any kind of... Like, there was an era when you were younger when uh, people didn't like rap music because the, they didn't like black people. You, you're familiar with that kind of thing, right? Yeah. People don't like... Very race-based pe- thing. People don't like disco because they thought it was a bunch of, like, gay slur words and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's a, like the music is, they're like, oh, I don't like this music because all these kind of people like right. like it. Right. Which, Which is, still exists everywhere. It does. It really does. It's a lot of, a lot of, well, that's the thing. People, a lot of people aren't open-minded about music. Like I've. You could have just ended that sen- sentence uh, with a lot of people aren't open-minded. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I don't know where to go for me. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, <laughs> uh, what, what, tell me something else that I might not have asked you. Something about maybe your events or your music interest. Well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little, I'm sorry. I just got off a 10 hour shift no, and you're I'm fine. running what, on coffee right now. What so. do you, what do you, what is your job? Cause you graduated from Penta a couple of years ago, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a pipe welder, but I, just for a shop. I, uh, I told your mom, I was so happy that when you graduated or were about to graduate that you weren't going to go, uh, I think she said you were like a little indecisive and we were talking about what you were going to do. And this is before like people were like, Oh, college debt is bad. Really bad. Like I was happy when she told me that you were just going to go straight to work instead of dallying with like community college and getting yeah. in the debt or Yeah, because I definitely, I I would definitely have to go down the road to community community college. I did not do good in high school at all. It, any kind of like higher education like that. I yeah. mean, it, an Owens or something like that is a lot less expensive than a UT, but it is still pretty expensive, yeah. especially if you don't know what you want to do. So I was glad that she told me that you did really well at Penta and you knew what you wanted to do and you were going to dive right into it. I mean, I, this gives me a lot of time to even think about it. Like I'm working and I'm making great money where I'm at. I'm yeah. making... Are you a union? No, no, I'm not union. If I was union, I'd be like, all right, this is lifetime. But like, I'm honestly really thinking that welding is definitely not my forever job. It's great for my early 20s, but like, if I'm doing this for long periods of time, I'm not going to see my retirement because it's so unhealthy. None of us are going to see retirement. No. I was just, I just saw something the other day. What was it? It was Social Security? Oh, it was Medicare, oh, really? which is what you get when you're older, healthcare. Yeah. Medicare is going to run out. I've been told for half my life that Social Security, which is what you get based on your income your entire life when you get to retirement age, that's going to run out. 
when in, in my twenties, I resigned myself to working till I die. So you should plan the same. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm planning. That's what I'm planning on. I I really hope to one day like you know do my own business kind of thing. I don't know what at all. Like, but if I'm just working a normal nine to five, it's not going to look good when I'm you know eighty or so. It's going to be better to kind of have my own thing, you know, or like. If I get into the music business at all, then I can actually like make money off that and still be doing what I love, and I'm not dreading going to work every day. Do you dread going to work now? When I wake up, <laughs> waking up at you know three, four o'clock in the morning to go in at five, I'm like, okay, I I want to leave. But so do you work like just you just work four days a week or something? I work five days a week and Saturdays. I work fifty six hours a week. Oh my God, it, you know. But you're probably making a lot more money than people your age, right? Uh, quite a bit, yeah. And you get, uh, probably get good benefits. Decent benefits. I actually haven't taken advantage of any of them yet because I'm not 25 yet. So once I hit 25, then I can. Oh, because you're still in your mom's insurance. Still, I bet. Yep, still in my okay. Mom's. Uh, do you still live at home? Um, I did have a house for a little bit. I was renting for my stepdad, but I just moved out recently because I needed to move closer to work. I was driving 40 minutes every day. Where and, is your work? Uh, it's like right in the Michigan. Got it. Yeah, it's like um, right outside out Toledo, right like, in Michigan. Go home. Sock all that money away. Yeah. Because then when you maybe figure out what you want to do, you'll have kind of a, a nest egg to take take some risks. See, that's the thing. I was I always like to pride myself. I was a good kid. I I'm I'm complete. I'm sober. I don't do anything crazy like that. I don't like to drink. I don't like to smoke. My problem is I keep buying more speaker parts. I keep buying it's more your speaker. Hobby. I it's almost I'm almost better off doing crack <laughs> I spend so much money on there it's it's, it's your insane. hobby yeah it's your hobby and you'll you'll know you'll have a bill or something be like oh you know I'm short or whatever but I make sure I'm, I'm never short on bills bills come first but like well no you'll you'll be like the rest of us and you don't want to open your your bank app for a couple of days because I've already <laughs> I, I, I play that game weekly trust yeah. me I'm, I'm like it's Ugh. it's like uh it's like did I win the lottery? Like, and I open it. I open up my bank app. I'm like, oh shit! There's like 400 bucks more than I expected. Yeah, I Fuck can, yeah! I can go out and get dinner tonight. I can yeah, go yeah, get yeah. sushi. Um, what else do you like to do? Um, I, well, honestly, I I love just being social with my friends because I, I work so many hours. I spend so much time trying to do music and trying to business that way. I'm essentially working two jobs. Like, I don't. I try not to stress myself too much on it because my mom's always telling me I'm like I'm working too much. I'm out too much. I'm never at home just sitting, but I absolutely, I hate it. I hate it. I hate, hate sitting still. Yeah, me too. Like, well, I can't, I gotta I gotta go out. I gotta go do something. I gotta go talk to people. And, of course, I get done when I need to get done, but, my God, sitting still drives me crazy. My my dad told me when I was very little, and I share it with everybody now, um, the devil's playground is an empty mind. So, it is what brings on my depression when I have nothing to do. So, I try to jam my schedule up. At least you have... You get to do your music, which you love, and you're working a good job or you're making a lot of money. So, I mean, there there are people your age who are much, 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 much worse off or they're paying like eight grand a semester somewhere and they're like, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. that's all, Well, that's another reason why I avoided colleges because yeah. like, one, I'm probably not, I probably wasn't qualified to go to a good college anyway. And two, is, and no offense to community college, community college is great for anybody. It's it's not, I'm not dissing on community, but um. I had no idea what to strive for. I still right. don't know what I want to 100% strive for. So why would I pick something that early in in my life when if I if what if I don't want to do it? Yeah. You know? And that I think there was a number of, like when I was going to college, like half of people change their majors, and like that's an expensive mistake. Be, especially now, it's it was back expensive. then. Like I don't want to be a librarian anymore. I want to be a marine biologist. Well, guess what? You, that's a 180. <laughs> That's an absolute 180. Of 50% of people that change their majors, a large chunk probably do that kind of 180. And you've basically just wasted all this money. Yeah. And at least with what you're doing, there was that time where people took, oh, I'm going to do a gap year and find myself. You're working and making money, not like going all hoity toity. Yeah, no. I'm, 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 just, I'm still like trying to figure out what I want to do, but it's all. And in the meantime, you're making a lot of money, which and, is great. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I'm like, I'm paying off a car. I, the only debt I have is a car at the moment. So car is not a debt. Car is a payment. Yeah, car is a payment. But my God, the car, the the way cars are priced now, hopefully the economy with that gets better. It's we're we're hoping that. Do you have a what, what kind of car do you have? A Volkswagen Jetta. What year? It's a 2018. How many miles? Coming up on seventy thousand. That's not bad at all. No, it's great. It's great. I did have a golf for a little bit. I had a 2016, 2017 golf, 
and I got T-boned before I even had it for an entire year. My, I had my dream car for a little bit, and then I had to settle with a not a not a hatchback. I was so mad. Don't I? People will argue me argue with me on this, but I will never say that uh, a house or mortgage or uh, any kind of car payment, whether it's a lease or you're financing it, is debt because you have to have a place to live. You have to have a vehicle in most cases. Absolutely. Like to me, debt is. I don't know how people don't have a vehicle. Some people like public transportation and whatnot, or they want a bike. But for the most part, mm-hmm. um, those are things that you need. So they're just like cost of life. To me, debt is like you went nuts at Best Buy and or or some buy Finance now pay stuff. later. <laughs> what or like well, I can get a whole new like living room and not pay till twenty twenty six. I can name I could name a friend that that. To me, that finances it, everything. Yeah. But but they're they're smart about it, so it builds their credit, so it's okay. It, it does build your credit, although you're you're tacking that interest on. Oof, when yeah. will your car be paid off? I want to say maybe four, maybe three years from now. I'm hoping. Oh to, dear I can, God! I'm I'm hoping I can just start putting more to it, like double the payments every month, and maybe uh, pay it off sooner, so I can just lose some of that interest. What are your car payments? I want to say like two seventy. And then your finance, if you're buying and not leasing, right? I'm buying. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not leasing. See, here's the, the other thing I tell people. You never don't have a car payment because even when you pay that thing off and you start patting yourself on the back, it starts to break. Oh, yeah. No, it's <laughs> just how the universe works. It's it's destined. It's no, destined to break. Kind of, yeah. Any I, any family member's car that they've paid off and they're like, oh, I paid off my car. I'm doing great. And then the engine just oh, fell out. Completely <laughs> seizes up. Absolutely just, oh, my gosh. That's it's, why if people like rip me for it. Um, I I lease because if something happens, I can take it in and it gets fixed. I I get in and out of stuff quickly. Yeah, but to each their own. People used to yell at me. Do you do you know how much money you're throwing away renting at apartments? I'm like, do you know that like my job moves me a lot? And if I were to buy a house, I would I would put a gun to my big toe. <laughs> so I uh, see. I'm debate. I'm still debating. Do I want to buy a house? Like I realize not I'm, now. I'm not now. I was nope. I'm even looking at him like, oh, that's cool, but like, I'm definitely not in the market for that. Stay. Are you back with your mom? Um, I'm living with another family member. I'm living with my aunt at the moment. Oh, I like Aunt Lori. Yeah, she's she's. And, sweet. and what's the 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 cousin's name? Taya. There we go. Yeah, she's they're they're great. Do they charge you rent? Yeah. How much? I'm not gonna live in my aunt's house without charge. If anything, I want to pay most of her rent just to help her out more too. Like I would love to, <sighs> since I can afford it. Well, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's better than like renting an apartment or something. Oh my but. god, yeah, it's che- it's a lot cheaper, and, and if I'm helping a family member at the same time while doing it, like, stay there as long as you possibly can. I'd, Saves money, good people, all that stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, do you have anything you want to ask me or anything? Did this um, experience live up to what is, you had hoped? Yeah, no, this is fun. I like this. This is. I, there are times where on the podcast or on the radio shows, we'll get into a, a dance music conversation, and I start to like lose my mind a little bit. But I know that because it's Lido, it's like my friends, hole. they have no idea any of this stuff. Well, you're in a completely different. You're talking about a completely different era than I am. So I'm, I'm. But it's. It's similar it, though. It's it, close enough. It's symbiotic because it's it's all under electronic dance music. And that's what I was happy about like when people stopped calling it techno and they got educated to the different genres and sh- and subgenres of electronic music. Um tw- the reason these like Electric Forest is right in Michigan, right? I think so, yeah. Um, Ultra's coming up next month or something yeah. in Miami. Those are the things I stay very far away from. I can't, I like, can't do it. Ultra was always the big one, but there's electronic car, uh, electronic festivals everywhere. Bef- like when I was growing up in the 90s, early 2000s, um, there were raves. Um, which often got shut down, or you hoped if you went to the club, um, it, like I did it, or my DJ friends, you hoped they got in like a 20 minute dance set, and the people who just wanted to keep hearing DMX would tolerate Sandstorm. Um, but then in 2010, it it all changed, and dance music became pop music, and that's why you have these massive festivals that. Even if people aren't like diehard electronic music fans, it's an experience they wouldn't be a part of. Yeah, they still go. I see. That's the thing. I went to I went to one festival. I went to Movement like just this past year, and I loved Movement as a kid. I loved going with my dad and, and like my tween years. Can't do it anymore. Now you it's, have to find your own park. It's, it's a hassle. It's too well. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. Tell me about. it. I had to actually drive my car through Detroit yeah. this time. So yeah. I'm like, 
Well, even trying to make my way through that crowd, it's just like it's like going yeah. through any other crowd. It's the most I don't want to say normie crowd, but it's like the most normie group of people now because that's everybody that See, electronic music used to be for the nerds. It used to be for the yeah. the outcasts. It used to yes. be for the weird people. And now it's the popular thing. Yep. That's why I'm digging deeper underground trying right. to like find the underground stuff. And now look at me, I'm a I'm now a history buff about sound system culture and reggae. <laughs> It, and that, that's totally fine. Keep being an outcast. Keep being an outcast. Uh, keep it in, being a misfit. Um, I. That's one thing I've always disliked. Popular things, because um, it just attracts the average. And there's nothing wrong with the average person. No, no nothing but wrong with that. I like things. And you seem to want to learn as well. Like I like to expand my mind and see what else is out there. Because yeah. I get tired of things quickly. Yeah, me too. I'm. I'm the same way. I'm. I can never mix one track for longer than a minute. I'm a very fast DJ. <laughs> I mix through stuff really fast. I'm not patient. That was the thing with like, because uh, it was the anthem era in like the late 90s and 2000s. Mm-hmm. You had like 11 minute songs. And yeah, no, I could not. You, nobody played the whole thing, but in the middle somewhere. Do something with it, you know? So Do some were, effects. There was like a mini break, and then you had the first break. And if you didn't get out, you're done. It's eight minutes. It's eight minutes of Whitney Houston. It's not right, but it's okay. Goodness, yeah, no, driving crazy. Those are great songs and whatnot, but yeah, it, it was it was a thing. Uh, thanks for visiting, of course, of course, and uh, that's it. Thanks for being here. Yeah, of course. I'm good, glad, to, I'm, good I'm, to have I'm, a dance. This chat. was very spontaneous. I was not expecting it even. I I had an opening. So if you could say yes, we'll do it. Yeah, absolutely. 